everyone, Jen Amos here. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project. You may have noticed that we don't have a formal intro like we had in the first season. That's because Nani and I are still in the process of putting one together. So in the meantime, I'm doing these impromptu introductions for you. Oh my goodness, I'm really excited to get into today's interview. I think this show is really a testament to our moms out there, our Filipino moms. But before we dive into this interview, I have a couple of announcements as I always do. First of all, Tifa Project has a website. You can get all the show notes and all the ways to get a hold of us and the people that we interview on our new website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W as in the Filipino American Woman Project.com, tifaproject.com. Community is extremely important for us this year. We encourage you to visit our website, tifaproject.com, to subscribe to our newsletter. Our newsletter is a curation of our stories and life lessons, not just from the show itself, but we hope that as our community grows, we hope to see your contributions in that newsletter. So if you want to learn more about the newsletter and join our community, please visit tifaproject.com. We are still active on Instagram, but we definitely want to be more focused on our loyal listeners and fans through our newsletter. Also, as you listen to the show and you feel compelled to reaching out to us, we have a phone number now. You can either send us a text message or a voice message at, okay, get your phone ready, 415-484-TIFA or 8329. Once again, that's 415-484-8329 or TIFA. We'd love to hear from you, love to hear your voice. And who knows, maybe we will play your voice message in the next episode. Also, the TIFA project would not be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors. One of my favorite sponsors that I like to talk about nowadays because I get asked many times, Jen, how did you start this show? How do you start a podcast show? Where do I even begin? Well, one of our incredible sponsors is Captivate.fm. And this is for the independent podcaster that wants to have a web hosting service that not only helps them distribute their shows, but also has a website built in. So if you're not a web developer and you really want to have a, a standalone website and you know people ask you, like, how do I find your podcast show? It's like, oh, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify. And you have to kind of like over explain like how many channels you're on when you can just send them to one website. Well, Captivate FM provides you a website. And if you want to get an example of that, you could check out our website, tifaproject.com. Also, if you are website savvy and you have WordPress, Captivate has a plugin. So when you're ready to transfer to a WordPress website, you can go ahead and make that transfer really easily. So you can learn more about our active sponsors today, including Captivate.com by visiting tifaproject.com or the show notes of this episode. Last but not least, I just want to give a shout out to our audio editor, audio slash video editor, editor now that we are, we are moving onto YouTube. Just shout out to Dennis. I just want to give you all a little uh, behind the scenes on how we get the show edited. I usually send it to him um, after we do the initial recording. 
and he does a tremendous job just cleaning up our audio and making us sound fabulous. And usually after that, I do the final edits. I'm the one adding the announcements here at the beginning, um, as well as the intro music and outro music. But half of my work, more than half of my work is done because of Dennis. So Dennis, I just, want to, I just want to give you a shout out and just thank you so much for having worked with us to this point and just making our show sound amazing. And now our videos. All right, thank you all so much for listening to my announcements. As I said at the beginning of this episode, I think this is a really good episode where we talk about our moms and how our moms have positively <laughs> impacted our professional lives. So with no further ado, I hope that you enjoy this next interview with Missy Alcazar. All right. Hey, everyone, to season two of the Filipino American Woman Project, also nicknamed as Tifa Project for short now. And we're really excited. I just want to start off by saying that we have a website now and you can learn more about it by visiting tifaproject.com, which is T-F-A-W, which stands for the Filipino American Woman Project.com. And as always, I am so honored and lucky to have my co-host joining me once again for season two, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hey, everyone. Yes, and we're just going to jump into it. Like, we are so excited to get into these conversations for this next season. So let me just introduce to you who we have on our show today. We have Missy Alcazar. So Missy is a professional dueling pianist. She's a singer, songwriter, and a Renaissance woman. She had recently helped Philanfest in San Diego, California, shout out to San Diego, with their first virtual event to celebrate Philippine Independence Day at the time of this recording yesterday, which was June 12, 2020. She also teaches online piano lessons at Alcazar Piano Studio and sells her own artwork called Graphic Art Scores. Missy, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. We're so happy to have you. And also, I have to share that if you are watching this on YouTube, this is our first interview on video. <laughs> so thank you for being a part of that. You weren't planning on that. We didn't mean to throw that on you, but you don't seem to mind. So here we are. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being a good sport. <laughs> yeah. Well, Missy, why don't we start with you sharing? How did you hear about the Filipino American Woman Project and what inspired you to join us? Well, I'll be honest with you. I was actually just searching hashtags. Like I had the intent. I hmm. said, I want to find a Filipino American community and I want to be part of that community because I truly believe that Filipino Americans are underrated. We have a voice. We're, we're everywhere. Yet so true. I, I, for some reason, I don't see us in Hollywood. I mean, there's like a few trinkled here and there, but I barely see any in Hollywood. I don't see any of them on Netflix or Hulu or mm. any sort of like entertainment platform. I don't see very many in live music. So I just, I don't know, there was like something inside of me that wanted to reach out and find, you know, my community. And then when I saw, I found you guys just from like, the, I think the hashtag was Filipino American. And then I saw your title was what caught me. It said the mm. Filipino American woman. I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> Let me see what's going on there. Oh, and then I just saw what you were posting and I loved everything about it, like your quotes and your style, your brand. And I just had to follow you. And then I was hooked. I was like, oh my God, I can't be on their show. This is so cool. <laughs> 
So yeah. And uh, I have to give a shout out to Nani because Nani is really our community manager. If it wasn't for her, like we wouldn't have their interviews. Like I feel like I'm always focused on producing and getting the show out there, but Nani is really uh, kind of the matriarch of our <laughs> community, actually. So, oh my gosh, so, so honored. <laughs> thank so, you, Ate. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to thank you for kind of being like my work wife in a in an odd way on the show. Oh, it's and, my pleasure. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> That's like, you guys have something that's just, it works so well. It's like you get to work on the producing side and you get to work on the outreach. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know what you two are doing or just, it's just so inspirational because it's like, you don't see many people who care enough mm. to actually make the moves because that's ultimately what matters is you can have all the ideas in the world, but if you're not actively doing it, yeah. like what, what's going to get done? Nothing. Mm. Just yeah. duck. duck, duck. <laughs> but you two are so well, thank you. <laughs> I'm funny. So well, Missy, I appreciate you uh, saying that, and I completely 100% agree with you. I've always been the kind of person that wants to be the change that they want to see. I mean, not always. Trust me, I definitely have been a critic in my own way. But I think, especially with this project, I just feel like um, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be a victim. You know, I didn't want to feel like the world wasn't serving me. And what is it? Crystal from Filipina on the Rise, she has this quote that I think is so beautiful. And it goes, uh, find a void, find a hole in the shape of you and find fill it. Find a hole in the world in the shape of you and okay. fill it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful quote. And part of why I'm so passionate about doing the show is I just want our community to realize that you don't have to ask for permission. Like you have all the power in the world. You can pull your own chair at the table. You don't have to wait for someone to pull up the chair for you. And I'm just going to show up until I can't show up anymore. And you know what I mean? And I just feel like there was really no barrier for us to start podcasting, which is why we do it. And why, at least in the second season, I'm advocating more for our listeners to consider starting their own show. Which if you are interested, we do have those resources. Just visit our website, divaproject.com to learn more about how you can do that. Uh, because you. I would love that actually. Yeah, because I think it's super important. And trust me, I get emails all the time on how to start a show. Like, how did we do it? How did we get started? And I just feel like, you know what? I need to start sharing these resources because they've really benefited us. And full disclosure, we do have them as our sponsors. And so moving forward in the second season, we are telling ourselves that we deserve to make a living doing the show. And so if you are in support of that, just really check out our website and check out our sponsors. And one of our sponsors is a way to start podcasting. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that uh, shameless plug there. Uh, Missy, <laughs> <laughs> Missy, we're going we're gonna to cut, we're going to jump to the chase here. So for people that are getting to know you for the first time, I know I gave a little sneak preview on the amazing woman that you are. So the purpose of the show is to create a space for individuals who live in America that identify as Filipino and female. So why don't you share with us a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman? Okay. Well, both my parents are from the Philippines. My dad was from Marikina in Manila. And then my mom was from this tiny island called Romblon. Romblon in the house. Um, 
Sorry, it's just they don't get enough love. But at the same time, I kind of, I kind of want to keep them a secret because I know that the tourists are going to turn them into a, <laughs> a resort, and I don't want that to happen because it's a hidden gem, is what it, it sounds like. It is a hidden gem. It is so hard to get to. It's treacherous, <laughs> but it's so worth it just because you could tell that there's so much love going on over there. I, I'm mm. still very connected to. Rome blown Philippines and I go there like once every other year just to kind of do philanthropic mm. philanthropic things for my family and the community there. But I back to your question. I identify as a Filipino American because I was definitely both raised on American culture and Filipino culture, which mm-hmm. were very clashing at so many moments in my life to the point where you know there were lots of fights at home with my parents mm. especially my mom because her filipino values were just so different than the values that i was exposed to because you know they, they put me in an all catholic all girl high school oh wow so, oh yeah i can't even imagine <laughs> Oh my God, can, no idea. Can, can you just yeah. give us a little snippet of like what a Catholic school is like? Because I've, I've always heard of them. Like the a all Catholic all-girls school. I went to a Catholic school as well. My dad tried to make me go to an all-girls school. And I, at the time, was like, well, <laughs> I <yeah>. won't do it. <laughs> I wish I had that choice, but I did not. My mom was not the kind of mom who gave me That you could talk back. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I just talk back and the chinelas came out. Out. Yep. Mm, no, yep. sort of fly around the room. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin mm-hmm. with the all girl oh, <laughs> all girls experience. Well, okay. So 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 easy, easy question then. Did you like it? <laughs> Was it worth it? Did you yeah? okay? <laughs> I have to say yes and no. Okay, this is the Filipino in me to be mm. neutral. How, okay. I'm going to say more towards no, Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of things like the education. I was very, very, very blessed to have Mm. the people and the parents and the the financial pressure. (laughs) It was, it was was in Pasadena where Mm. Pasadena is one of the richest cities in the Los Angeles, I guess I wouldn't even call it Los Angeles County because it feels like its own. It definitely feels like separated from LA, from LA, yeah. Exactly, because technically Pasadena, it's like kind of like, you know, it's- Its own little community. (laughs) Yeah, they have so much money going on over here. Mm. And if you can imagine my mom coming here and my dad with that like, poor mentality like they were raised with poor people like I go back and I see what kind of lifestyle she lived and I can't help but think wow she lived in a third world country and so did Mm -hmm. my dad so for them to come here and then you know enroll their daughter in this prestigious you should have seen this school it's watch Jurassic Park 2 
you'll see how <laughs> insane this school is. It is so rich, so fancy. Mm -hmm. And here I am, this little girl from like Highland Park. And at the time, Highland Park was the hood where yeah. all the gangsters used to hang out. Like oh, man. nobody even knew what Highland Park was whenever anyone asked me at school, <laughs> where do you live? Highland Park, where's that? LA? And nobody knew wow, so, what that was. Yeah. Yeah, because it was just so ghetto. And so whenever I would go to my friend's house, it was like I would walk into this long driveway full of like two beamers and the like five garages and these like crazy multi-million dollar homes and these, you know, white parents who are like, oh yeah, honey, do whatever you want. Yeah, go mm. wherever you want. Oh, go, yeah, take the car. And here I am like, hey mom, um, can I have my friends over? No. There's <laughs> 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 the same So, yeah, it was an interesting experience. And, you know, girls can be mean. And I think that's why it was hard for me to develop a relationship with girls after that. Like, mm. it wasn't until my mom passed that I was like, I need to lift this Mm. This idea that girls are mean. And it was only because I was raised with a bunch of white girls with a lot of money. I was literally like one of the very few Filipino women in my class. And so, you know, there was a small community, but you could tell that it was just back then, you know, racism existed, but because we're meant to just keep our mouths shut it wasn't talked about ever which explains right, your condition to just take it yeah you're conditioned to think this is normal you don't talk about right. it right mm -hmm. and so it explains why everything that's happening is so relevant today it's like this is just a backlash of us 10 years 20 years of us just repressing and normalizing that yeah normal or allowing that to be normalized absolutely and you know like if there was a community like you ladies that were expressing what we want to say and just reach out to you know females like us who are kind of struggling with what we're dealing with at the time like if i had a support group back in high school oh my gosh i probably would have had a better a better experience yeah. But I would say my relationships with the people that I met there weren't the greatest. Now, I think mm. that's just that school because mm -hmm. my cousin, who's 10 years younger, went to a very similar school, but like in a different city and she loved it. Mm. So it's all a personal experience, but I'm not going to put my kid in an all-girl Catholic high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, that, that must have been a really interesting experience for you to be isolated in a space that, in a place like Pasadena, that's already isolated in itself, you know, I feel like Pasadena is kind of sheltered off from the rest of the LA kind of area. And you're right, it does operate like its own little world over there. And on top of that, being in an all girls school at a time, you know, in your teenage prime years when your hormones are going crazy and you're <laughs> learning what it means to be a woman and figuring out what you want to do with your life and making those kinds of plans and being the only Filipino or Filipina in a group of 
all mainly white and then all females, I can only imagine. But at the same time, I think that that was probably very intentional on your parents' part to try and you know, remove you as much as possible from mm. your home culture and help you to assimilate kind of naturally into this world over here in America. And so um, it's interesting to see in different people's stories how that's played out in their life and how that either contributed to their experience or really hurt it, you know? Absolutely. I think that that's also why I had a lot of self-esteem issues. My identity, I, I just... Mm-hmm. I, I could yeah. not figure out if I who want, the hell I am. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to be yeah. white. But keep in mind too, my mom was the kind of woman. She was like, she wanted me to fit in so bad, and she wanted mm. to fit so bad too that she was like giving me bleaching lotions and bleaching mm. soaps and telling yeah. me I should get a nose job so that <gasps> look more white. Oh, girl, your oh, mama, my mama. <laughs> yeah, but here's so the thing. Sorry. Trust me, it, I love my mama to death. She yeah. is like the best, most generous person ever. But you could tell that because of whatever happened in the Philippines, and I really think Filipino history has to do with this also, mm-hmm. which is why yesterday I was like, I want to be part of this revolution. I really feel like, you know, America really did something to the, the Filipinos and, and brought this like I saved you from colonial mentality. Yes. Yeah. Like that's why they look at America like this on the savior. They, yeah, you're our saviors. And so whenever they think about America, they think, Oh, land of opportunity. This is the dream. And my mom wanted that dream. Mm -hmm. So she did it, brought me, you know, raised me and realized like she wanted so bad to fit in, in this culture that, you know, she was doing everything she can to like, you know, physically make me look that way. Now here's the hard, this was the hard part. She still wanted to implement Filipino culture within us. So Mm -hmm. she still taught me all of those like Ling dances. She would dress me up in those traditional gowns and like take pictures of me. Um, No, she was so sweet. So it was like, can you imagine this, this little like, 10, 12 year old girl, you know, first she's like, here's some bleaching lotion. You need to be white and telling me I need to pinch my nose every night. And then then putting you in the Filipina (laughs) doing a photo shoot. (laughs) Filipino photo shoot. And and then like not, not speaking Tagalog, but speaking Tagalog to each other. Mm -hmm. And so I was just so confused. Like, how come you want me to be Filipino American, and then here she is sending me these lunches with like fried fried fish head and hard boiled egg, and then I'll go. go to school, and then my classmates, my white classmates, would be like, "Ew, what the hell is that?" So I go home and tell her, and like cry to my mom, mm. telling her that people are making fun of my lunch. So it's like Aww. it was a whirlwind of like confusing times and that's why I want to you know connect with so many other Filipino Americans because I bet you there are so many people who have like if not similar stories stories that can relate yeah a hundred percent I definitely feel like my grandma raised me kind of you know as like a second mom in my life in a lot of the same ways and I think that it's an important thing that you noted in the beginning when you said that it was an insecurity of your mom's 
to kind of motivate her to force you into assimilating into like white culture or American culture, I should say, because in reality, what that meant for her, like you are kind of a token of her success yeah. as, as a Filipina, you know? And yeah. so that's very interesting. In the same, in the same sense, I kind of felt like uh, when my grandma would do those things with me, it was kind of like, I was like a doll, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I swear. That is what I felt like. That's I was exactly. like her little like porcelain doll. And yeah. I mean, I loved it. Like I felt all the love and affection and everything. But as I got older, I was like, oh, wow. Like that was really a projection. That was really a projection of her. Wow. Her deepest kind of insecurities and desires. Did your grandma have a room of like porcelain dolls? Yes. Oh my God. God. No, not just a room. Not just a room. Let me tell you. Her whole room and the whole living room was full of these dolls. So much so I was afraid to go to sleep at night because I would just be like staring at the dolls and they'd just be staring at me back and I'd be like, uh... I can't sleep like this. Oh my God, we're the same. Wow. I'm just going to step Multiple out of this conference. I'm like, this is between you two right now. I'm just going to. Oh gonna, my God, we're the just, same. <laughs> oh my God, an entire, the entire room. Just like tables of them. Yes. Everything, walls everywhere. And they're all just like staring at you. I love that you asked me that. Just because like, when you said that, I literally... It was like just flashback. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah, that's something new I, I learned about you, Nani, is I didn't know that your grandma <laughs> had all these porcelain yeah. dolls. So that's a that's new for me to know. Yeah, it was creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah. So so Missy, um, obviously you came out of that experience alive and well. And I'm <laughs> my mom you know it was her yeah. that helped me be who I am so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna discredit her for that oh yeah I think that it seems like a lot of what we do on the show is sometimes bash on our mothers but we're really honoring them we really are yes. okay just for the record yes. we're not gonna say it perfectly we're gonna it's gonna come off wrong a lot of the times but at the end of the day like we love you moms we love you all for the Absolutely. sacrifices you've made for us I mean I can I can talk shit about my mom all the time too and but <laughs> she's okay with it like she watches my shows like she listens to like every podcast show I've been interviewed in I send it to her she's like completely fine with it and she's like hey like the other day I was like hey mom I just got interviewed on something and I talked about how you and I had money problems growing up but just so you know I said it out of love like I'm not trying to villainize you oh, like on the show I love that you're sharing that with her now yeah and she listened to it she's like thank like thanks for sharing with me and she's like it was a good interview you're really articulate and I was like oh thanks mom and that's it. It was just, wow. it just we've, we've come to this good place in life where like my I think my mom is just happy that we're alive and we're all like out of the house and you know it's it is what it is but no for sure and I'm kind of curious Missy like in that experience of kind of trying to find that balance of you know being the only you know a colored woman in this white catholic school like did you have like maybe I don't know did you have some kind of mindset that you stuck with to like get through it all if that makes sense like if there was kind of like a saying that you told yourself to survive that whole experience or is it only really later in life that you're looking back and you're like man that was like a very crazy confusing experience for me um let's see so I feel I kind of want to take back what I said earlier because I made it sound like I was the only person of color because mm-hmm. there that, that's not true. There was like a whole 
Asian community. Mm -hmm. And I would say that they made probably like 10% of the class. Mm -hmm. And they did start a group called like the Asian, the Asian Pacific Islander community. And it was just so strange because I remember I was one of those people who would jump from group Mm. to group. I tried out all of the groups and it was just so strange. I just didn't feel like I could connect with any of them. Mm -hmm. And I think now that I look back, it was just such a crazy hormonal time because there's just too many things interconnected to why I was doing what I was doing from stemming from like my relationship with my mom to my relationship to piano because piano and my mom were like a huge thing. Like she was living vicariously through me. I was like Mm. a crazy concert pianist doing Mm. like national competitions and she was like helicopter mom. And so, you know, I do feel like looking back on my experience with high school, I don't feel like I could think for myself Mm -hmm. because, because my mom had such a control over me and what I did, she chose what I was doing. Piano was her choice. I just so happened to be great at it. And I Mm. think it was also because she just like really drove me to the ground, like borderline, you know, in American culture, it would be illegal. like on how she would force me to practice the piano. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you Sounds know, it, right. yeah. And, and what's funny too, though, is like in Philippine culture, that's normal, but you bring it over here and the white moms will be like, Oh, we need to call social services. Right. <laughs> she's, just, she's just trying to get her to sit at the piano. Kids nowadays are wild. And I was a wild child. Like, yeah. I don't know how else my mom would have gotten me to sit at the piano. So it's like, I don't blame her, but at the, right. same, time, <laughs> like, at the same time, like I was, you know, kind of, loopy but you know, it's just it's really hard to say because I don't feel like I had a mind of my own mm. and it wasn't until like gosh I think I started rebelling against my mom maybe around like 16 or 17 when like I found my first boyfriend and then like I wanted to do all these things and she wouldn't let me and so I'd like run away from home because <laughs> she was trying to discipline me. And I, it was just such a, high school was a really bad time in my life. I, mm. I, I was just so repressed and couldn't speak my mind or talk back to the point where I had just had it. And then I was talking back. I was like getting in car crashes. Mm. Luckily, I never went to jail. Okay. But I was definitely not the ideal Filipino daughter. That- <laughs> most moms are you know brag about to their their sisters and friends so friends no totally um, i don't think any of us were just for the record yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know how i can answer your question because i just don't feel like i had a mentality i had somebody else's mentality i yeah. had yeah. i was following what everyone told me to do 
Mm-hmm. No, that's an excellent answer, you oh. know, because I mean, I wasn't looking for the right answer. It was like, <laughs> you got it wrong. Try again. Like, no, it was like, because I'm curious because you, you, you did it such a good job, like just painting that picture of your experiences back then. It is interesting because I think about my own fair share of traumas growing up, but it wasn't until my adult life when I was able to look back at it and get the proper help to understand it and analyze it and you know, not let what I went through negatively affect my relationships and how I carried myself moving forward. But it really took a long time to get there. So in a way, I'm not surprised that you shared, you know, you gave the answer that you gave. And I like the way that you explained it. It's like, I just, I really didn't have a mind of my my own. Like my mom was so in control of everything that I just kind of went with it. And, and to me, it makes a lot of sense that you did rebel because, you know, eventually somewhere in our bodies tells us that we're sick of certain things and we can't always ex- explain how we act out or why we act out. But it really is an accumulation at that point, you know, to be like, I'm doing this, like my body is doing this because it has to, like, I can't, I can't be that the daughter that you expect me to be anymore. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, and it is what it is. And I feel like that's the common theme for a lot of us, not all of us, but we definitely have interviewed guests in the past where they just have a very interesting relationship with their parents, you know, especially if their parents are immigrants or that, you know, they immigrated over here and just having to deal. And you described it so well, you said that, you know, Filipino culture and American culture just clash, period. And yet we are given the responsibility to find that balance because no one else is going to tell us how to do it. You know, our parents are coming in with, you know, what was instilled in them, how they were raised in the Philippines. You know, they don't know what it's like to be raised here. And so it's really our responsibility and part of why I love doing the show because I've come to find that a lot of us deal with this. And I think that in all of us sharing our stories, each of us can find the verbiage or the language to find that balance or at least like come to a place where we can validate the struggles that we went through and start to find healing or help, you know, from those experiences. Love that. Exactly. Which is why I found you. <laughs> yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. And I found you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we are talking all about it right now. I love it. Because this in itself is literally healing. Like just the minute you talk about yeah. something, some sort of trauma, some sort of insecurity, you're literally starting the healing process. So mm-hmm. that's why I would love to just, you know, continue sharing and just talking about experiences because I know there's so many, so many Filipino American women, or just Filipino Americans who are going through the same thing and just don't have that courage yet to speak their voice or speak their truth because they haven't had like the experience to actually do so. And right. Yeah, absolutely. And even the permission, you know, or they feel like they need to be given permission because of how we've been conditioned. I feel like that rhymed. I should be a rapper. I'm just kidding. <laughs> An awful rapper. But yeah, and I really, I really believe, and I hope that this show really resonates with people and have them understand that together, together as Filipino American women, we can find the answers, you know, and we can heal together because we have such a unique situation, you know, and so many levels. And so it's really within us and with each other that I think we can find that healing and we could find these solutions and we can feel validated and feel like we are allowed to take space in this world. I mean, we already do. It's just about owning it at this point and really running with it. So 
speaking um, up, that's literally like just <laughs> up. And that's why I'm just so happy that, you know, you ladies are doing what you're doing because you're voicing, you're voicing what every Filipino American <laughs> out there has been thinking, but was too scared to talk about because somebody's mm. going to yeah. tell them they, they're bad. And, you know, it's very common that I hear our guests say that they don't share their interviews with their family. Like they go on the show like secretly <laughs> and that's okay. That's oh, yeah. like, like, that's okay. Like if you, if this is your safe space that you don't want to share with people, like that's fine. Like we don't have to share everything with everyone. Like yeah, I'm completely okay you, with that. Not for anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Missy, thank you so much for just being so transparent about like your upbringing and your relationship with your mom. I can only imagine that it's uh, really influenced you in your life today. So let's go ahead and jump into that. And for people that are getting to know you for the first time, I'm saying this again, but for people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you give a snapshot of your life today, uh, particularly what keeps you excited or busy nowadays? Sure. Well, now that the pandemic has happened, it's mm -hmm. way different than it used mm -hmm. to be. But I am always trying to keep myself busy. So usually snapshot a snapshot of my day would consist of waking up at like 8.30 or 9, just out of habit. And I literally, what do I do? I get up. I always make my bed. That's like- Wow, good for you. <laughs> you know what? Notice that makes a real difference in quarantine. <laughs> if I don't make my bed, then I'm just like lost for the day. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So it's such a small act, but mm -hmm. there's something about making your bed as small of an act it is that gets you to do things. It gets you that. like into a routine kind of, you know? Yeah. And I'm a Taurus, so I need routine. Mm -hmm. And routine is key for my life to feel like there's order. Mm. And even though I love being spontaneous, because that's usually my show in dueling pianos is spontaneity. Mm. But outside of my performance, I need order in my life. Otherwise, yeah. I just feel out of control. And my, my mind starts going into these weird spirals of negative and toxic you know, thoughts and it, it's not a fun place. So it's always make my bed, feed the cats, make coffee, sit <laughs> down and do a gratitude list for at least 30 to 40 minutes. Now wow. this gratitude list is so important because if I don't sit there and remind myself of how great of a life that I have, mm -hmm. then it's like more another spiral. It's like, I have this habitual conditioned way of thinking from how I was raised, where mm -hmm. it's a constant battle every day of trying to convince myself that whatever negative, toxic thoughts I have in my head are going on, they're not real. They're yeah. old. Mm -hmm. And I have them managed. And so this gratitude list, I also call them morning pages because I read this book called The Artist Way, and it's to help entrepreneurs kind of, you know, help ground themselves and remind themselves of what's happening inside. So I do artist pages, and then after that, then I literally on my computer, and then I just start working depending on 
what's happening that week. Like this week, I had to prepare for the Philam Fest and like research songs about mm. my favorite black artists, research, you know, song lyrics, learn the song lyrics on my piano, read more about Philippine history and the meaning of our flag. Oh, the Philippine revolutionaries and why mm. they felt like they needed to leave Spain. So every week is always different. Like, I can tell you right now, this week will not be the same as me. <laughs> and, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just found out yesterday or two days ago that Disneyland is reopening July 17th. Wow. So today, guess what I have to do? I have to relearn all of my lines all over again because it's Start been... preparing. Yes. Yeah. It's been two to three months since I've performed at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I have to relearn all of the songs. I have to practice my scales. So every week changes. Sometimes it requires a lot of practice at the piano. Sometimes it requires a lot of vocal exercises. Sometimes it requires sitting at the computer, learning a new program like Procreate and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to do graphic art so that I can figure out a way to sell my art. Sometimes mm-hmm requires having to research technology because I'm trying to figure out how to teach this 12 year old in La Jolla how to learn piano through an iPad so (laughs) (laughs) right right that's so by the way I think that's so interesting you know there's so many creative ways people are uh, revamping their business and one thing I didn't take into consideration are piano lessons because you're I mean I'm not a pianist like you in any way but my mom did put me through piano lessons and yeah like my piano teacher was always next to me and so that's very interesting how that has affected your business and your and the way you do it and having to do it through an iPad sounds really interesting (laughs) it's been quite like my (laughs) two months <laughs> has been quite an adventure just <laughs> literally technology um, I can tell you all about audio interfaces <laughs> mixing boards I can tell you about what kind of sound I need to get through to I can tell you about zoom like it's just been <laughs> real, it's been a rewarding headache yeah, that's a beautiful way to put. It. I thought you were gonna say a rewarding experience, and I like how you said rewarding headache because it's true. <laughs> it can be both. It can that can coexist headaches and it feeling rewarding. So, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned something that I have to talk about, and it's the fact that you work at Disneyland. Yeah. So. That is really cool, by the way. I had friends that used to work there in the past, but tell us a little bit about what your role there is at Disneyland. Because well, it, does, it doesn't sound like, oh, just get in line kind of job. It, it's, <laughs> you, sound, you perform there. It's- yeah, uh, let's see. Um, well, technically, I'm friends with, her name's Thomasina Francesca over at the Golden Horseshoe in Frontierland. And she performs there three days a week, six shows a day. Wow. And yeah, from what she's told me, I'm only saying this because that's what they tell me to do. And I don't think they really care, but I'm going to do it anyway, just in case. Yeah. But they do this to instill fear. Ah. In but anyway, I'm actually very blessed uh, to have Disney in my life because I swear if it wasn't for them, they're probably one of the coolest employers that I've ever had. I do feel like working there, I am a dueling pianist. I'm their first 
Filipino American dueling female dueling pianist. Yes, Beautiful. Queen. Congratulations. Awesome. Say that. Yes, <laughs> own it. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. Say say it one more time just so our listeners know this. Just so you get the impact of this. Yeah, yeah. Y'all need to hear this again. <laughs> yes. I am Disneyland's first female Filipino American dueling mm. pianist. Mm, yes. I love it. I all love it snaps. so much. Yes, you get it all. You get it all. <laughs> I feel really blessed. It was, it was so funny too. My audition process was so messed up. They were so messed up. They, <laughs> first of all, first of all, they auditioned me and made me do the craziest audition I've ever done in my entire life. Oh, man. They sat me down in this room. They sat me down in this room and they were like, oh, great. Can you play? Can you sing a, a song for us? So I think I decided to play. What did I play? <laughs> I played. Shoot. I forgot. Uh... I think I played like a country song. Oh my God, I don't remember. Anyway, I played a country song and then I played a classical piece because I'm classically trained. Mm. And you could tell that they were like, yeah, we want her after I played my classical piece. And then they got this like huge Disney book this thick. Mm. And then they like randomly opened it. And then they put it in front of me and they're like, play that. Play that. Like, uh, <laughs> okay. 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 Luckily, my classical training trained me to do things like that side mm. reading. I was able to play it and they're like, oh, that's great. Now play it in a jazz style. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh I my play it in a jazz style. Okay, great. Now play it in like a Rachmaninoff classical style. What like, the oh. hell? <laughs> and then they're like, okay, now play it in like ragtime, like Joplin style. And I'm like, you should be paying me. Like in my head. For like real? <laughs> this, this costs money. <laughs> anyway, so they call me back. They, immediately they love me and they're like, they call me back for a callback. And... Mm -hmm. For the callback, they set me up with a stranger who was, you know, already there because it's dueling pianos. Mm -hmm. So they set me up with a stranger and they sit us down and they're like, okay, while you wait, we want you two to come up with a joke or a bit for this piece. And they give us the sheet music to the can-can. You know, the can-can that goes, dun, 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 yes. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> want you to, they want you to do a bit with the can-can. And we're sitting there like... Um, okay. So we come up with like a Victor Borg type of bit and Victor Borg is like this really famous classical pianist who does these like joking bits and like makes people laugh in the classical music world. So we were doing these like crazy things as a duet, you know, and they loved it. Then guess what? They, they did the same thing that they did to me as a solo, but as a duo. So, wow. Yeah. They put in front of us a random this sheet. This is intense. Music. Yes, I know. It's like, we this, have, this audition is not over, y'all. <laughs> this is not over. I still have the punchline. I haven't even gotten there They're yet. like, oh, you thought you got the job? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You knew it. Damn, Work harder. <laughs> they literally said that. After we were done with my oh audition, my God. Girl. no joke. She was like, 
he was like, oh, good job. Too bad, too bad you didn't get too the job. Too bad that's not it. <laughs> and I walked away like, what? Oh my oh. God, after all that? After all that, and no joke, like, wow. you should have seen how they described it. They're like, okay, you, you play the melody line and you have to accompany them. Now do it in a classical music style. Now do it in a Joplin style. Now do it in this style. Now tell me a joke. And we're like, <laughs> oh, now this is the best part. Now, They're like, rub your, oh. your, rub your tummy and pat your head. <laughs> Check this out. Then they were like, so who's your favorite actor? Missy, I'm like, Jim Carrey. And then they go to Kyle and they're like, all right, what's your favorite place, like a country? And then Kyle's like, Paris. And then they were like, all right, make up a song about Jim Carrey in Paris, go. Is this like improv all of a sudden? On the spot? Yes, between the two of us. And I'm sitting there like- What is the purpose of this? <laughs> for the show that they had no clue what was going to be the show. Mm, and then I wow. find out later that anyway. Well, that's the story. But wow. literally three weeks later, they call me, hey, you got the job. Well, good. Thank God. <laughs> after all that, you better. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so happy for you, Missy. That is, that's intense. Like, I, yeah. wow. I mean, I don't know what it takes to get a job at Disneyland, but wow. Like, <laughs> what that was an intense experience. Yeah. I swear. I think my mom, my mom was the one who literally trained me to be in that kind of anxiety. No joke. There you go. <laughs> so it did pay off. <laughs> I, I am so thankful for my upbringing because I swear I would not. You have can survive in those high pressure environments like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost kind of crazy how I was able to get through that like yeah. I can do you feel like now. the pressure kind of like motivates you in a way now or does it make you like intimidated I'll be honest with you I think I just black out yeah <laughs> yeah you're just like fire flight mode you're just like yeah I swear and I think it's because of my mom it's like totally 100 percent yeah that like I think in high <laughs> pressure situations, my body's just like, you're trained. You know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Robot. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm the robot. greatest piano player alive. <laughs> like my mom tells me. To. Oh my God. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. So Absolutely. I mean, I, I wouldn't do that to my child, but <laughs> but shout out to you, mom. Mama up in because man, I am, I am, I'm living living the dream. So I'm yeah. Very, yeah, very very. It sounds like it. Yeah, I think I feel like it's later in life when we could really look back at our relationship with our parents and really thank them. Because I even know for myself in my my teenage years and my young twenties, I just had a really rough relationship with my mom. I just kept thinking of how just how much how much better she could have done for me. You know, I always thought of like, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, or like I wish you were this, I wish you were that. And later in life it's like, man, my mom was a survivor and she yeah. did a and wonderful look at all the job. She was able to do for me. And yeah. yeah. Great things she did teach me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So shout out to our mamas. Shout out to the Filipino mamas. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, well, Missy, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I just love that you, you know, you work at Disneyland and I feel like one of these days, if I get a chance to go back to San Diego or California for that matter, now that things are opening up, I think that'd be fun to like see you. Like where will you be performing do you know or where where are you at in the world of Disneyland like located so Disneyland you know what's funny I'm in Pasadena right now mm-hmm. oh yeah that's that's yeah oh. there you go yeah. <laughs> of all the places but Disneyland is opening the 17th so I'll be there the 17th now as for performing like real like I'm not sorry I'm not discrediting that it's not doing pianos but actual dueling piano bars like, mm. I don't know when that's going to be open. It mm. sounds like people are having a hard time opening at this moment. But yeah. if the world reopens, I'm usually in San Francisco at Johnny Foley's or in Portland, mm. um, Barrel Room. So I'm You're traveling. All over. Yeah, I, I travel a lot. and, and What a fun life, though. That sounds really it's, fun. I'm, I'm very blessed, and I really have my mom to thank for that because she was yes. the one who pushed piano. Because if you think about it, like most moms are like, why aren't you a lawyer? <laughs> my right. Yeah, that is surprising. My aunt still asks me to this day after knowing I have this job at Disney and I'm like self-sufficient. She's like, yeah. you know, you could have been a great lawyer. Why don't you still, why don't you still do that? Oh my God. That's part of that colonial mentality as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Missy. I've been really enjoying our conversation so far. And with that said, I'm really excited to get into one of my most favorite questions on our show, which is really sharing a life lesson and a story uh, as to what led you to that life lesson. So here you had shared as your life lesson to cherish every moment you have with your loved ones and the people that you care about because you never know when their lives will be taken. So speak your truth. And this next part that I wanted to read, I actually want to leave it to you to explain why this is your life lesson and the story that led you to it. Oh, sure. Yeah, this is this one always chokes me up just because, you know, I have such a deep relationship with my mom and have her to thank for everything. And uh, the reason why I say that is because people always forget that, you know, your loved ones or the people you care about can, their lives can be taken at any moment. Like I had my mom, I thought she was going to live forever, you know, Mm -hmm. and just all of a sudden one day I get a phone call saying, Hey, mom has cancer, Hmm. you know, and then, for a whole like two years, I'm like traveling back and forth from San Diego and Los Angeles, just trying to figure out like, should I go home? She has cancer, but I just found this dream job. Mm. What am I, you know, I struggled so much with, you know, making that decision on where I should be in life, yeah. but everybody deals with grief differently. differently. And I swear, if I could write a book about grief, who, who knows? Maybe I will. I definitely feel like I am very well versed in grief mm. because the minute that my mom died, it was like I went through every emotion possible. And I do feel like once you lose that person, that means the most to you. That's when you're woke. 
Mm. And, and that's why it's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't lost a loved one like that because everybody's experience is going to be different. But the only thing that I can tell you from that experience is there's so many things that I really wish that I had done differently. Mm. And most of that has to do with communicating and people forget that like when you have something to say, you have to say it. And Mm. I can't tell you how many times I struggled with that while my mom was sick because like I wanted to tell her how much I loved her but didn't know how so that she could really understand because everybody has a different kind of love language. And if you don't know what your own love language is, the communication barrier is just going to keep growing. And so I feel like when I say you have to speak your truth, Mm. you have to know what your truth is. And it's so important to understand yourself and the way that you communicate and know how to develop the skills to communicate. And if you don't know how, reach out to people, ask people. There's so many things and resources that you can reach out for to develop communication skills. And I feel like that was one thing that I lacked with my family is Mm. being able to tell them how I really felt because there's so many times my mom was like, stop crying, you stop crying, you know? And I have that embedded in my head. Like I can't express what I want to say because here's my mom telling me not to say it. Not to show my emotions, right? Right. If you show your emotions, if you show your, oh my God, my Lola at my mom's funeral. I went, I was supposed to do the eulogy and I, the minute that I'm like walking up to, I prepared this eulogy, the minute that I walk up to go there to speak in front of like hundreds of people, my Lola was like, don't you dare cry. Oh, and I'm like, no. Mm. And in my head, bitch, I'm crying. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Cry all you want to. This is my mother's funeral. Exactly. Yeah, my mom. Yeah. I was like, you asked me to do this eulogy. Do you know how hard that is? I'm the I can't mom. do it without crying. No, it's like, I have two younger brothers. Why didn't you ask them? Like, why are you asking me? I said yes. Like, mm. I'm even providing the music, and you want me to keep it together? Like, mm. yeah. So it wow. was like it, just so much repression. And that's a word, right? Repression. We're, we're going to call yeah. it. If it's not a word, it's a word now. No, it's, it's a, a word. word it's a word. <laughs> repression. And it's a word. I just, yeah. And I just, the life lesson I want to share with everybody is just to remember that you have the permission to speak your truth. You do. Because if you don't, you're literally going to self-implode and it's not going to do anyone any good it's actually going to make things worse Mm -hmm. and the minute that you figure out how to speak your truth whether it's writing it down on paper or like talking to your friend about it like finding someone you can trust seeing a therapist which i highly suggest to every single person on this planet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know why we don't have therapy or Mm -hmm. counseling for every single person out there because just speaking your mind in itself is so healing. And Mm -hmm. I just want everybody to know that like how important it is to be able to, to, 
to speak your truth and and share it with the people that you want to share it with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Oh, Missy, just everything you said, I'm all about it. I thought that what you just shared is pretty interesting. It just feels really reminiscent of what's going on today in the world. And the theme of what we were talking about before, about how you didn't feel like you had a mind of your own back then, and you were really just operating according to your mom's expectations of you and the things that she was trying to instill in you. I think that we can all relate to that. That's a really common theme here on our, on our show. And there comes a point, whether it's, you know, being on this podcast or something that happened in the life lesson that our guests want to share. But for everyone there, it seems like we all come to a point of individuating from that conditioning that we learned. Mm, mm -hmm. And it just feels, again, really reminiscent of what's going on right now today um, in the Black community as it relates to American society and how, what you just said, like how important it is to speak your truth and to heal and for other people to acknowledge your experience um, the way that you want it to be perceived. Um, So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Sure. I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement has really sparked something in me that mm. it, I, I just, it's just so relevant to everyone, the people of color especially, and it really made me look back on my life and kind of reevaluate how I've been handling situations and people relationships. Um, So I I think this has been a long time coming. Mm -hmm. Sure. For sure. And I think that we're all a lot more personally connected to this experience than we maybe realize at first. So it just takes a little bit of that reflection, I guess, to, to make those ties. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to add upon what you all were both saying is just uh, the importance of Uh, speaking your truth. And I always say this, I've been saying this a lot now, and I'll probably say this quite often, that if you don't know what to say, if you don't know how to speak up, there's a beautiful quote that goes, the only way to find your voice is to use it. So just use it, just speak up and find the people or the environments where you feel safe enough to do it. Like I understand that sometimes it's not a, you're not, you don't feel safe enough to share and we completely get that. And sometimes you just need to listen to a show like this to find that healing. Like you don't have to be on the show, but you can just listen to it and still find that form of healing or inspiration to speak up or even share with just one person, like what you're going through or how you're feeling about all of this. So, Missy, I feel like we had such an incredible conversation today. I feel like we could talk forever. (laughs) And I think, like, it's like I kind of want to hang out more because we're doing video, you know? (laughs) uh, know, Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But, you know, all good things uh, must come to an end. And I feel like there's a a lot, like, I'm definitely going to enjoy listening to this episode again. I mean, one, because I have to help edit it, but... You know, also and watching it on YouTube. Yeah, and watching it on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, I just think this is a great way to open up our second mm-hmm. season. So thank you for being here and for being our guinea pig for our YouTube oh. channel. <laughs> um, and sure. yeah, absolutely. And uh, Missy, for anyone that wants to learn more about you or reach out to you and connect with you, how can they do that? 
Oh man, you can find me um, all over the internet. You, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on social media, Missy Alcazar Music. Um, you, if you want to follow my artwork on Instagram, it's Melissa Alcazar Art. And then if you're looking for piano lessons, Alcazar Piano Studio. Or you could look at my website too, Missy Alcazar Music. What else? Oh, if you want to hear all my songwriting, just type in my name, Missy Alcazar, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. I'm all over there. I love it. You're all over the internet. YouTube. (laughs) Easily accessible. We love it. I'm easily accessible. And you are more accessible now, at least on the show, because we have a website. So for anyone that <laughs> did not catch that, you can check out the show notes on our website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com. Nani, thank you so much for co-hosting with me as always. You're welcome as always. <laughs> and Missy, once again, thank you so much for your time. And to our listeners, we want to thank you for being a part of the conversation. We want you to continue to be a part of it by joining our newsletter and engaging with us on Instagram. Until then, thank you so much for listening or watching, depending on the medium you are digesting this. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks.